Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. Welcome back to episode 35 of Synergetic Culture. My name is Adam Bieber. I'm so thankful that you're joining me today, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or watching this on YouTube. I appreciate you joining and listening to Synergetic Culture. We always want you to listen to these podcasts and walk away with practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. So whether you're hearing from just me or from some of our guests, that's our goal. And I hope the same for today that you walk away with something that you can apply immediately. Today, I am joined by a special guest named Will Slappy. And Will and I actually met in person at a networking event and have stayed connected with each other for a couple of years. And are, he's just one of the funnest personalities on uh, LinkedIn and social media. And I reached out to him and asked him if he would do a podcast with me. Will, welcome to Synergetic Culture. It's awesome to have you, man. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I've been waiting a long time for you to ask me to come on. So <laughs> glad you finally uh, finally got my digits and asked me. That's right. That's right. Well, Will is the CEO of IT Voice. IT Voice is a managed IT provider focusing on cybersecurity, voice over IP, private cloud, ERP and application consulting and support, internet and professional IT services, which is a mouthful. Um, Will, how do you explain it to somebody that doesn't know exactly what a managed service provider is? Yeah, so the easiest way of, of describing what we do is we are that internal IT that companies need, right? Yeah. Uh, and especially in that small to medium sized world where, you know, maybe they can afford one person, but maybe a half a person, yeah. you know, we can bring all of the expertise, everything from the firewall to the cybersecurity, the cloud, your basic, you know, support that you need for your everyday computer, phone, internet, networking needs. Um, and we provide all of that. Uh, make it turnkey for our customer. Uh, you can say one throat to choke. Uh, we've heard <laughs> it to be one neck to hug um, and, uh, you know, just become that outsourced IT uh, for a company. So that's that's our kind of our main go to. Uh, and then we have a lot of larger customers who maybe don't want us to wrap arms completely around them, um, but can put our arm around them and uh, and help them, you know, help their IT you know departments fill in some gaps that they might have. So awesome. everything in that IT world uh, we do and um, make it easy for our customers. That's really cool. That's really cool. I, um, I met you because of what you do. And, um, and, and like I said a minute ago, I've been following you on LinkedIn and see you traveling and you guys are doing a lot of big things. And before we kind of dive into some of the things that have uh, driven a lot of the success of IT Voice, I'd love to just help our audience get to know you a little bit. I jump on this podcast and have been for the last year and a half and I share bits and pieces of my story and um, try to connect and be personal. But whenever I bring a guest on, 
um, I, I want to try to bridge the gap and do the same. So um, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself, where are you from, where you grew up, and kind of some of the things that um, that influenced you at a young age. Man, that's a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try to I'll try to, to give you give you the summary version. Uh, so I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I've actually I even went to uh, to UAB here in Birmingham. So I've actually lived in about the same ten mile radius my entire life. Wow. Um, but um, you know I've managed to be I don't know like twenty something different countries, five continents, thirty five states. So I've got I've gotten cultured, you know, if sure. you will, from a lot of places. But uh, always kept an anchor, uh, you know, in Alabama and. Um, I think Alabama is one of the uh, great secrets of places to live out there, but I won't, I won't go into that, um, you know, uh, with you. Um, my degree was in behavioral economics. So that's kind of the lens that I come at, you know, the world from. Um, and uh, you know, economics is an interesting, and specifically behavioral economics is an interesting sort of study because it's really the study of how people make decisions. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and it's a kind of an element of, of psychology that's there, but then you're also looking at it from a very, you know, data econometrics, you know, sort of view as well. And, uh, you know, studying the statistics and, and, and looking at it where it'd be micro or macro, uh, you know, to predict um, how people are going to act um, and, and getting under the surface of why they're making the decisions that they're making. So yeah. uh, I know we'll get into some culture stuff. So there's a, there's an interesting lens that I yeah. use that to apply um, a lot of the different things that I do from a culture perspective. So um, what else did you want to, you know, I've got yeah, wife, like, wife, three kids, yeah. uh, ages seven, um, or five, seven and, and nine. So, Sweet. um, we'll have, we'll have all three in the same elementary school, uh, this coming fall. So that'll be, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Oh man. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So when, when I'm not, when I'm not working, I'm doing something, you know, with the family, that's, yeah. that's what keeps me busy. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed about you is you're busy, you're on the go. You're leading a very large company, but you you always make time uh, for your family to do things with them, to connect with your kids, to be present and available to them. Um, that's evident just through social media. So it's cool to hear you talk about it. Um, and you got some freaking cute kids, man. I've got a uh, I've got a five year old. Well, he'll be five in 15 days. We talked about it tonight before I, I tucked him into bed, um, but he's getting ready to head into kindergarten and very excited, a little nervous and ready to have a birthday party. I will say that much. So, yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's actually a lot of synergies in terms of, you know, I mean, leadership is leadership and, and, and creating a culture in your family. Obviously there's a difference of a family culture that you want compared to what you would have in, in a, an organization sure. that, and got all different types of organization, everything from a church or a nonprofit to, you know, business organization that's, you know, for profit and trying to drive that. But those, those, uh, I learn as, as much in, in my, what I do for work that informs me in terms of how to be a better husband and father and, and leader in my community yep. um, and vice versa, you know, so a lot of those principles, and sometimes it's interesting because, you know, you can learn things from kids about how to lead differently than you might, you know, learn at work. And, but you can take that same principle and, Sure. Uh, you know, apply it. So, um, I, I, I try to be the same person in all that I do yeah. and, and use the principles that I'm learning, you know, across each as it makes sense. Well, you mentioned the, the, the lessons that you can learn from leading your family and especially leading your kids. Um, I, I'm sure I, I can safe to assume that your three kids all probably have very unique personalities and, they respond differently to direction and to 
um, discipline and correction. And, you know, I, I see it as I lead a team myself, uh, a, a small team. I, I look at these guys and I, I know them well, but I also know what drives them and how to motivate them and, and how to, how to call them out and, and instruct them and help them. And it's just like, it's just like leading a, not to say that they're kids, but it's like, you know, trying to understand the personalities and the differences. Um, that's a, that's a good parallel to make. So, um, been in Birmingham your whole life, but well-traveled. That's awesome. I love Birmingham. Um, I do know that you're an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. So unfortunately for my Georgia fans that are listening, I'm going to have to say roll tide roll for Will here today. Um, but, uh, so we've done a lot to help them out though. We, we, we trained Kirby smart for him for about a decade, You did. got him ready for him. And then now he's won two national titles for him. So (laughs) they can't feel, you know, they can't have too much hate for us. There really is not too much. Um, probably is, but, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing what, uh, what coach Saban and I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on just how he's created a you culture. You should ask coach Saban to come on here, Adam. Do you have any connections to him? Go home. Do you have any connections no. to him? Oh, I, <laughs> I, Hey, if, if anyone's listening right now and has a connection to coach Saban, I would love to love to interview him, but today you are in the spotlight. Will. so, um, uh, what kind of student were you growing up? What, what, what were you interested in? Cause right now, I mean, and for the last couple of decades, you've been very involved in, uh, technical work, IT, software, cybersecurity, but what kind of led you in that direction? You know, so my father founded the company back in the 80s um, before I was even, you know, here on yeah. the earth uh, and born. Um, and so, you know, from day one, I was, you know, immersed into, uh, you know, the technology world. Literally grew up um, I, I know when we were chatting before the podcast, you're you kind of making comment about, you know, I've been 30 years doing this. That's a little bit facetious because I'll be 37 this year. Um, so, you know, I think I think I like started it like, you know, when I was like six years old, which, hey, I was in the company working part time. My first job was two dollars an hour. You know, sure. Um, the, the statute of limitations is passed. So nobody can go after my dad, you know, at this point. Um, but, you know, sweeping the warehouse floor and, sure. you know, filing the, the old paper tickets away mm-hmm. and um, use of pool cable and. Um, you know, pretty much did every job, you know, cleaning, you know, old keyboards and phones and stuff like that, you know, in the warehouse and, you know, pretty much did every job, um, in the company, you know, growing up, you know, summers, you know, would work longer and, you know, might help a little bit in the school year. Um, so, you know, really, you know, growing up, I didn't necessarily ever think like, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, kindergarten, I'm sure they say, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm sure, you know, I would put like a telephone man or something like that. You know, back in the 80s, there really wasn't much of computers. So you yeah. started as a as a telephone company and then later expanded into IT. Um, but, you know, I didn't necessarily like graduate from high school thinking like, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, go into into IT. Um, it was actually a, a lot of my interest was in law Um and uh, and then that kind of tied into economics, which was a lot of just how people make decisions, how people work together. Um, and I really loved business and I loved kind of the modeling and how things worked. And part of what I loved about the law was like, OK, how do you set up a system that helps to push people in the right direction and to cause people to work better together? Yeah. Great, you know, better for, you know, everybody. Um and, uh, and so that was a lot of the interest. And so um, I won't give you the whole long story, but I got some good advice from some people that said, hey, Will, you don't need 
when they really learned what I wanted to do, they're like, you don't really need a law degree. You can hire an attorney, you know, to, to do those pieces and you can take, you know, what you're doing to really, you know, you really just need to go into business because that's what you love. Um, and so I, I was about to graduate when I kind of stopped my pursuit of law school. And, um, and so I ended up like just my dad was like, hey, well, just come work for the company. Um, you know, I've got some projects you can work on while you're trying to figure out what you want to do. And so I was I actually worked there, even applied at a bunch of different places and was like trying to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and nothing really fit. And then, you know, next thing I knew, I kind of looked up a few months later, like, hey, I'm enjoying doing this. And so I started diving in further. And yeah, uh, I guess it was about four or five years later, uh, moved into management position and then um, ended up, you know, slowly, you know, not even completely planned, just taking over running, um, running everything in the company. So I uh, kind of officially took over running the day-to-day of the company about seven or eight years ago. Um, and then awesome. officially became the CEO of the company back in uh, 2019. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. What a cool legacy for, for you to be able to take on organically the, the mantle and uh, continue some incredible work that your dad started um, it's, that's hilarious. Cause I was like, there's no, like, I, I didn't know how old you were. I wasn't going to ask, but I'm like 32 years at the company. How old is this guy? Um, <laughs> so congratulations on, um, not filing suit against your father for child labor. <laughs> um, but that's, that's cool, man. That's really cool. So, um, the law is interesting. The behavioral economics is very interesting. I think uh, what I've found, because we we do, you and I both operate in similar fields in in technology, cybersecurity, and all that, and um, it's it's rare. It's not hmm, I'm trying to think of how I want to put this. Oftentimes, I meet people who lead organizations similar to yours, and they don't have the same um, leadership driving I want to understand my team I want to build a, a culture I want to I want to create something and I, I imagine your education plays into that um, I think a lot of the times I, I come across people and they're so focused on their niche skill set and then that's what they hone in on and they forget that in order to execute a business you have to connect with people you have to build relationships you have to um, lead and sometimes you have to be led and you have to take the responsibility of influencing the people around you um, seriously. I, I use this phrase. I say culture is built by design or by default. There's really not an in-between. And so you're either going to just like step into something and it's just going to be what it is. And it's just default settings, never usually the best settings, um, or it's going to be by design. So tell me a little bit about as you've kind of grown the company the things that you've put your fingerprints on to affect the culture of the organization and, and build something by design. Right. Yeah. If I can go a little bit off of your sure. question, yeah. you, you said something that, that I think is really important that I want to kind of key in on here. Um, so for, for us, part of the, des- my intentional design to our company is, and we're a service company. So this is really, really, really important for us. Yeah. Um, I think it's important for all companies, but if you're service-based, it's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always designed the company as like, okay, our people are what creates the customer experience, especially as a service business. And so I want a culture where people enjoy what they do, 
you know, and, and a part of the joy of what they do is that they have purpose in what they do. They're understanding why they're doing, how they're impacting the guy next to them, how they're impacting the customer. Um, they enjoy the people that they're working with. Um, and, you know, cause, cause it is work, right. And not every day yeah. is going to be, you're going to, you're not going to enjoy every part of it. I don't even enjoy it. Some people are like, Oh, you get to the top and you're, you know, you're going to enjoy all of it. It's like, well, sometimes when you're at the top, there's certain things that get defaulted to you as like, well, who else can handle? It? I don't know. Ask the next person and it gives up with me. And I'm like, Oh crap, I got to do it. <laughs> got nowhere you know? to pass so, it to. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's going to be days that are not going to be fun and there's going to be things you got to do. that are not going to be fun. But when you, when you believe in the, in what the company is about and, yep. and you believe in the gal that's next to you, um, you know, that really makes a big impact. Um, and when people enjoy that, when there's that, that, that culture element that creates that great customer experience. Yep. And when you have a great customer experience, customers renew with you. They, they don't leave. They, they buy more. They're willing to pay more for it. And that comes sure. back to the customer. To, to the company and the company's bottom line. And as the company is healthy, you can afford to pay people more and hire more and grow. And it's this synergistic circle, yeah. you know, that, that comes. Um, I understand like, you know, there's some people out there that are like the customer is always right. Um, I heard somebody else have a better version of that. It's like the customer um, is almost always right, or this is, which is probably a little bit better version of that. Sure. Um, and I understand the sentiment of that. And, and, and there's a lot of that that we have in our, in our company. The one thing I don't like about that sometimes is that sometimes it sends the wrong message of like, just think about the customer, just care about the customer, um, which is important. But I found more success in creating a great culture for the employees because they're the ones who are going to take care of that customer. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and I can't take care of all of our customers. Our team takes care of all of our customers. Sure. Just a small element of that. And so I spend far more of my time figuring out how to create that culture because now once you have that culture, that creates that positive, um, you know, cycle um, that's there. So that's a really, you know, kind of important part in terms of, yeah. you know, uh, who we are. The other thing I would say is that, you know, we've done 18 acquisitions. I, I didn't, I, I didn't go as much into that. So in the last four years, we've done 18 acquisitions. Yep. We basically seven X the company in, in terms of top line and bottom line in, in, a, in a four year period. Uh, last year, in the last six months, we did nine acquisitions. Um, Goodness and, gracious. And it, this, you know, this show's not about, you know, talking about acquisitions. I've done some other podcasts talking about that. Um, I do a lot of LinkedIn posts and things like that, kind of talking about that. So, but, but this is, this is what I'll say yeah. about all of that. It, even if you know what you're doing, which we haven't always known what we're doing there, um, you're going to make mistakes. Um, and you're going to make mistakes growing the business, but like when you're doing acquisitions and growing at that speed, it's easier to make more mistakes because you're making more decisions. Sure. Um, and one of the things that ha I, have just noticed about that is I've always focused on the culture as an essential primary layer of our acquisition strategy. Yeah. And it has saved our butts so many times because there's been some times where best of intentions, but we've made some bad decisions. We made some mistakes. Sometimes we probably made a good decision, but it just didn't pan out, right? Like you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, hey, 95% chance of success. And so that feels like a good decision. Well, sometimes there's 5% of the time that it doesn't work out, right? Sometimes people, sometimes people forget that, you know? Yeah. I mean, so there's been some times where, you know, it, you know, crap's kind of hit the fan. And um, if you don't have the right culture, that can have devastating effects to a business. Yeah. Um, but when those things have happened for us over the last four years and beyond, it's been amazing, like, why? watching the team come around and now be able to 
basically just kind of go around that mistake, right? That then bridges over that into what's something that could have been a massive crater becomes a bump in the road because sure. when, you know, it's like all of a sudden we, you know, we forget about some piece and there's some, it's like everybody comes together. People aren't pointing fingers or trying to like throw somebody under the bus. It's like, okay, how do we fix this? How do we make this what it needs to be? You got people looking out for each other. Yeah. And so it, you're going to make, my point is, and, and whether your acquisitions or not, in business, you're going to make mistakes. Yep. And a strong culture will cover those mistakes and bridge those gaps and those cracks that naturally happen. Sure. Um, so I think that's an essential piece of why culture, you know, is so, so important. Um, so you were kind of asking the question, getting back to the question you asked of kind of like some of the design and different yeah. things. Um so there's a lot of stuff that I do, uh, and I know I know I heard in your intro like you want practical nuggets for people to take away. Sure, yeah. Um, so if you want me to, I can like share some of the like practical things that I do from a culture perspective. I would love that daily, weekly, you know, monthly basis. Um, and and of course, there's a lot of different ways to do all the different things. These are just some of the ways that I do. But so, before you start, let me, let yeah. me, let me say this just cause it's, it's hot in my mind. You, you mentioned the, the ability to weather a storm or overcome obstacles and, and, and uh, face adversity when the culture and the team is strong. The reality is, like you said, those mistakes are going to happen. Um, what came to mind was like this, this image of, um, uh, you know, when, when they're rigging up lights at a concert, they have all these backup cables that are sitting there hooked and they're, they're not taut, they're, they're loose, but they're there in case the system fails and it crashes. If you don't have the right cables there, it doesn't matter if the system fails, it's all going to crash down. And so what you're talking about is having the, the strength in the chains and in the backup there that says, yeah. okay, well, when something doesn't work the way we thought it was going to work, it's all right if the rig falls a little bit because we've got the support there in the team and in the culture. And I just, I was like, man, that's, that's, that's yeah. the whole purpose of that. And that's where the culture and team plays such a significant role for a company. I, I had someone on here recently and he was talking about how he was interviewing a, a million multimillionaire and he asked them, you know, what, what made you so successful and how did it work and what did you guys do? And he, he mentioned something about, we made the same mistakes some other people did and, and their companies didn't make it. And we just so happen to be lucky enough to have the right team and the right people and be in the right place. And I think some of it comes down to it's, it's not just by sheer happenstance. It's not just luck. It's creating a culture by design and having the, 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 the people there to weather that storm. So mm -hmm. I would, I would love to dive in. Tell, tell me more about the, 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 the real practical things that you do as, as a leader. And then I, I may have some questions about the acquisitions. I know this isn't an acquisition podcast, but I'm fascinated. So go ahead. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. And we can definitely talk. I, th I think that if we get to the acquisition part, there's a lot of, there's, it's kind of like a, a, a study on culture because I've got, I've gotten to see so many different cultures, sure. bridging cultures together, which is like a, a whole nother thing. Um, you know, so, so let me start with this, Adam. Um, and this was something that took me years to like finally kind of like understand. So I'm just going to talk about caring for people because I think that's mm. a essential part of a good culture. Um, for a, a, a long time, I kind of had this idea that like, you know, care was kind of a natural sort of thing. Um, and I am not a natural 
you know, feel, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a feeler, right? Like, you know, I'm a Myers-Briggs, like I'm a thinker, yeah. you know, not a feeler. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, um, I, I even have to like work on like when I get like a, a, a birthday gift or something like that, showing a higher level of excitement, you know, to show appreciation for the other person. It is not that I don't appreciate it. It's just that I'm not ex- very expressive, you know, from a feelings perspective, like some people are. Sure. Um, I may not be as naturally warm as, you know, I think somebody like my wife who's just so just naturally warm and friendly and like you meet her and you just immediately know that she cares for you. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for a long time, I, I used to probably think of myself not, I wouldn't have said I'm a caring person because I didn't have some of those warmness that people imagine when they think of a caring person. Um, but inside of me, I am a caring person. And I think pretty much all people have, you know, are, are caring people. Um, but we care in different ways. Mm. Um, and so one of the things that I, that I learned from me was like, you know what, I may not be the greatest at remembering people's names. I may not be the greatest at remembering everything that you and I talk about. Um, but if you're important and you're important to me, who says I have to remember it? There's things called notes. So like one of the things that I do from a culture perspective is, Every one of the employees that we have at IT Voice, I have a note, you know, and now in the great days of technology, I can have it on my computer and uh-huh. my, my phone and everything. Every employee gets, you know, a note. And actually, I, I do an introduction to all the new employees. And so I take notes when I'm having those conversations with them, you know, what's important to them, the, you know, uh, what do they do for hobbies? You know, what what are, what are the family members that, that they have? You know, where are they from? Like, you know, all of those different things that you learn about something. Um, and then like, you know, before I go visit one of our offices or I know when interact with somebody, I'll pull my notes up, you know, and, and, and now I'll be reminded, you know, oh, they, they you know, they got a dog named Charlie and, yeah. you know, it's a Labrador and, yeah. um, maybe they even shared a picture of it, but whatever it might be. Right. And so then you can tie that back into those conversations. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, there's different things like that, that I think that if, if you want to make something like culture important. You got to figure out how that fits in, you know, with you. And you might be somebody who has a brilliant memory and that's great. You yeah. know, um, you know, just, just thank God for that, you know, because some of us don't have that. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, you can take notes. And, other, and if you do have a brilliant memory, maybe you take notes that can help you be better. So I think that's an important, you know, kind of thing to, 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 to do this in terms of building the culture, find your own way. And, and don't be, you know, I was even for a long time, like scared to even tell people that because they'd be like, oh, well, you don't really generally care for people if you can't remember that, you know, but actually, have I, I've, I've shared that with a few people over the years. I've had almost every person like you need to tell more people that because there's people who need to hear that and need to know, hey, that's OK. And I've never had one person say, oh, that's not caring. Most people are like, wow, that's really impressive that yeah. you care enough to take the time to overcome one of your own weaknesses because you want to connect with people. Well, um, what I love about that is um, there are people who, when they realize the, uh, I wouldn't even know if I'd call it a weakness, but they realize that they they may not have the best memory to connect on personal things with people. They just move on with life and say, it's okay. Cause that's just not how I'm built. That's not how I'm wired. I'm just going to be, you know, who I am, but to take the intentionality of, I'm going to take notes Every time I, I talk to this person so that I can continue to update them. And, um, you know, I've seen people go as far as I've seen someone do it with their significant other. I've got a note from my fiance and I know exactly, you know, what the Starbucks order is and, you know, the different things like because I, I do have a good memory, but I'm not always going to remember everything. So it's it's a it's it shows a level of intentionality 
even though you're prepared, you, you, you've taken notes. It's maybe, and I almost wonder like if you felt like it was a cheat sheet at first. And so it was like, I don't know if I should tell people that I do this. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. I love that. I, I love that you, you, you take that approach and, and it has to, it has to mean a lot to the people you work with, which how big is yeah. your organization now? How many notes do you have? So it's about 215 employees total. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, still, you know, small enough that I can get to know everybody and, you know, yeah. build some level of personal relationship. Um, it is, uh, you know, we used to have like 35 and we were all in one office. So that was a lot easier, um, you easier. Know, than, it, than it is, than it is now. But, um, but there's a lot of things that we try to like, you know, so they got a lot of virtual people and stuff. So there's a lot of practical things that I, that I do as well. So, uh, actually I think it's, not next week, the week after. So every quarter we have like a leadership team meet and greet and we do it all virtually. So we'll pick like a Thursday afternoon. And so we'll basically just have like an hour time slot and people can come and go. We'll all hop in like a, you know, a team's room and send out calendar advice. And everybody can just hop in, ask us questions. You know, we'll ask them questions, get to know people. Um, so that's like something to do, you know, every, every quarter, like creating that as a part. And, and there's a lot of things that I do to create, allow feedback from the team. Good. Um, and, and, and there's a feedback loop is very, very important. Um, and it's important for two reasons. One it's important because people have really good ideas and they see things as the leader that you don't see. Um, and a lot of times they see it before you see it, uh, especially if you have some sort of customer impact and you're like service is not good or whatever they might be sending out there. Um, and so it's very, very important. So like I'll do about every other month, I'll do an all employee survey, I send out a link. It's like basically like two really simple questions. Hey, what's going great? We need to do more of, you know, what sucks that we need to improve on? I see a little bit more delicately than that, but um, get that. I reviewed all myself. We talk about it as an executive team. Um, we can't, you know, like this last time, I think we got like 60 different responses. So you can't obviously take action on every single thing that sure. people, um, you know, uh, um, ask. But, you know, it always produces some, you know, reveals some blind spots um, and, you know, maybe increases. Maybe you knew about something, but you didn't realize how big impacting, you know, the importance of it. Um, and then we have a feedback loop where we like, so every Friday we have an all hands call. I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, and so we provide a feedback loop. Of, hey, this is what we heard. Here's some actions we're taking. Here's some changes that we're making. Um, so one is getting the feedback. But then the other thing and this is a very powerful when people feel heard that creates a very good culture yep um and so you know that feedback loop is very important because if they tell you and you go and do something with it but you don't say hey this is what we we did and sometimes even like sometimes sometimes even saying no is okay you know i've had a lot of employees be like hey i you know i trust I trust you guys if y'all don't think that that's a good idea. But the fact that y'all took the time to respond and explain, like sometimes I'll sometimes I'll get with employees like, hey, look, great idea. Here's why we can't, you know, do that. It's going to yeah. cost a billion dollars, and we don't have that much money, you know, <laughs> or whatever it might be. That say, hey, look, you know, or hey, we got these other three priorities that we see as more important. It's a good idea, but we got some that are a little bit better that we got to prioritize right now. Yeah. Even a, even a no answer sometimes is really good in that feedback loop, you know, because when people feel heard. You know, and, and I think it's important, too, because I've seen some leaders out there that can kind of abuse this a little bit of kind of it, it can't be fake. Right. You can't you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've even been in some meetings, you know, where all of a sudden like, hey, let's get everybody together. 
to brainstorm, but you as a leader, if you already have a preconceived idea of what you're going to do and you're just using that as a facade to kind of get people more like you can't do that, right? Yeah. You got to legitimately take the feedback that they've got, let them be a part of that. Um, and be willing and to change, they, right? And be, yeah. Be, yeah. Be willing to change. Um, and, um, and when people get to be part of that process, then they get a lot more ownership into it. They, um, and, 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 and it has a huge impact you know, into the culture. Yeah. Uh, and I've had a lot of employees over the years that I could, I could see when, you know, when they felt heard and then they would basically say, kind of what I said before, Hey, you know what? Take my input, do what you want to. I trust you're going to take us in the right direction. Um, you just used a big word and that's trust. And it, to me, that is one of the most, um, it, it's, it, it, it can be hard to quantify. It can be hard to teach. How do you build trust? Um, but doing things like this, ha uh, allowing people to have feedback and a voice, um, ensuring that they're heard because your posture is to receive feedback, um, that builds trust. Um, and, and when, as a leader of an organization, when you do it for, for your teams through the org chart, even the person that may have just started that doesn't know you well and doesn't know the culture is going to be like, dude, this is different. This is unique because this isn't, this isn't the case. And this isn't unfortunately the standard everywhere. Um, but it builds, it builds yeah. a level of trust. And then you got people that come around and go, Hey, I just want you to be aware of this, do with it what you want. But, uh, you know, they know that they can bring that feedback to you because they've been heard and they've been listened to. So, um, that's yeah. powerful, powerful. Yeah, and, stuff. I, and I make it a point to meet all of our new, I used to interview everybody. Now we make too many hires. Yeah. And I'm not always available, so I don't want to slow down that process. But I meet all of the new, I meet all the new employees and get to know them. You know, we have an open door policy um, that you know anybody can get with me or anybody else in the leadership team at, at, at any time. Um, I've kind of taken that a little bit further more recently, um, where I'm doing it. Um, I'll talk about the all hands call in a second, but 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 one of the things that's trying to create more of that open door policy is um, every Friday I'll get like a group of five random employees. Um, together and it's just uh, just I, I, I kind of call it the um, the water cooler chat um, is what I call it. Yeah. And so it's like you know back in the day when we all used to be in one office, you know I'd run into people in the parking lot, walking down the hallway, you know uh, in the in the break room wherever, right? Um, and so now that doesn't necessarily you know happen as much, especially for the remote location. So it's like I literally just kind of like I use Excel and just randomize the list of employees, and so just grab the next five in the list and hop into you know uh, a team's room and you know, talk about what you would talk about if you were at a water cooler. Hey, what's going on? How's your week going on? You know, um, uh, what you doing this weekend? You know, all those different things. And and wherever that conversation goes, that conversation goes. Um, and that they might have something about the business that they want to ask me about or something that's bothering them. And yeah. we might just talk about what they're going to do, you know, over the weekend. Um, so, you know, that, you know, is another, you know, opportunity um, for that. Uh, the all hands call. So we actually started this in COVID. Um, so we used to have like monthly um, meetings with uh, with all employees. And so when COVID hit and we sent everybody home, I was like, you know what? I don't want to go a month between having everybody together. Like, yeah. I want to keep a pulse on the culture. I want everybody to be hearing from us and like, you know, hey, like, you know, because a lot of people that were worried about a lot of stuff, you know, yep. back in, you know, March of 2020. Right. And they're like, you know, um, there's just a, a lot of question marks and, you know, 
how are we going to be impacted? You know, all those different things that just worries and fears. So it's like, hey, let's just get everybody together and, you know, constantly be just putting in front of everybody, you know, where we're, where we are, where we're headed, what's going on. Um, but we enjoyed it so much that we've continued to do it well beyond um, COVID. And then that. now that we've got 14 locations, it's like has a huge impact, uh, you know, with the acquisitions, bridging them in. It's a great way of just, you know, constantly it, it's it's like a cultural pep rally um, so it's, it's, it's an immersion minutes. yeah and it, it's 10 minutes so some people like like somebody went here like every week like we hired a new you know coo this year and when i told him that he was like y'all do that every week that's a lot but it's like you know we keep it to 10 minutes a lot of times it's eight or nine minutes very fast agenda you know a lot of it like i'm very prepared in terms of what we're going to present because every minute on that you know, um, all hands call is basically like a half a day of people hours. You yeah. Know? When yeah. you think about it, like 200 people, you know, like every minute, it's like 200 minutes, right? So that's yes. like almost a half a day of like, you know, people time, if you will. Yes. Um, so very important on that. But, you know, the, t- the types of things that we do is like we talk about our goals as a company. Hey, are we on track? Are we off track? How are we doing? Um, I recognize, and, and we can still do this with, you know, 215 employees. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to do this when we're at 1,000 employees, but at least for now, it, it breaks down where it's about four people that I recognize anniversaries. So I'll break up the anniversaries, company anniversaries, yeah. you know, each month. And we'll just, you know, and then I will tie in like which of our core values or pledges does that person exemplify? So our core values and pledges are like kind of the, the written document of what our culture is voice is and so it's like hey you know adam is a great you know example of somebody who does his best and so maybe give you a quick example about you know adam not only does he do his best at work he also does his best on his podcast you know yeah. uh, after hours and, and and he's helping you know create a great culture so like, give an example so you're teaching people about your culture simultaneously i'm recognizing you it Love feels that. great in front of everybody mm-hmm. so we do that I'll have like a market update that we'll do and I'll just go down each of our 14 markets. And that's usually, it's always a shout out like, hey, so-and-so sold this new customer. This person installed that new thing. These three people came together and solved this big problem, made a happy customer, whatever it is, and just kind of go down and hit those highlights. Uh, Probably one of my favorite parts um, that I accidentally kind of came upon this process. It took me, it's always been really important for me to have a culture that was full of recognition. There's actually a Harvard business um, review article, this probably a decade ago, that actually showed that there was a direct correlation between the highest performing teams and the number of positive compared to negative comments that were made amongst the team. Wow. And the highest performing teams had about a four to five X ratio of positive feedback versus you know negative feedback. Um, and so it's always important to me, like, hey, we need to have a culture that's driven on recognition. And so what we've done that I went through a lot of different versions and the mistake kind of happened upon this and like it works really well now is that 30 minutes before the all hands chat. So it's an important part because it's a limited window. Yeah. So I used to have it where anybody could recognize anybody like throughout the week and very low recognition. There it in that was only a 30 minute window that you could recognize people. It created this goes back to like my economic stuff, right? It created scarcity. I call it the Harvard, Harley Davidson effect, right? There's only so many of them. Uh-huh. This is like, okay, like it, it increases that drive of like, all right, you got 30 minutes on Friday, so you better be ready. You better drop it in there. Um, so 30 minutes before the all hands meeting, you know, I'll open up the chat and people will throw things in. And then to amp it up a little bit more, got the automated system that will take everybody's names out of the chat that got recognized. 
and then we'll put it on this thing called a will of names. It's the free thing you can use, willofnames.com, and you can put everybody's name on there. And it's like a will of fortune. You've seen will of fortune, I hope. Um, yeah, of course. And it's just giant, you know, will. And so put everybody's names on there and you hit the button and it spins it around and then it stops on, you know, a random person. So we'll, we'll spin the wheel four times and give a $50 Amazon card um, to, you know, the, the four people um, that, you know, randomly won, you know, each week. Dude, so, that's awesome. So kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's creating that scarcity. And also there's a tangible benefit. It's not the company just asking for this. It's, you know, kind of a random reward for, yeah. um, you know, uh, whoever it was that got, you know, they got recognized. So um, it's a, it's a really fun part. You know, it adds that fun that, you know, uh, you'll get some jeering, the people being like, oh, it's rigged. So-and-so has won twice, you know, whatever. Yeah, of course. Uh, we, we spend it four times. We don't let the same person, like you couldn't win all four. Like if you, if you rolls your name twice, I'm sorry, we got to do it again. Do it again. Um, yeah. You know, but, um, but it's, it's a lot of, you know, um, that's one of those things that's just a lot of fun um, that, 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 that creates that positive culture. So, and, and I hope like some of the things that, that I hope that listeners would take away, you probably listen to a lot of this. You're like, you know, this is not even that much effort. Yeah. It really like some of this stuff is fairly simple yep. in terms of, you know, doing, um, and I think one of the things that's really important that you'll probably hear a lot, just, and this is kind of the way I do it. This, everybody doesn't have to do it this way, but I love rhythms. It's like every Friday you had this meeting, it, parts of that we have in the meetings, um, you know, the quarterly, Hey, you know, leadership meet and greet uh, on, on the Friday. So I do it right after the all hands call. Cause it just fits well in my schedule. So, um, I'll have like, you know, 10 minutes there with all hands called and I'll take the next 15, 20 minutes. And that'll be kind of like the meat by the water cooler. So it kind of fits into a 30 minute slot on my calendar, yeah. which is nice. Um, so those are, you know, those are like things that I just do on a regular basis um, that um, it kind of makes it where I don't have to think about it in some ways. Right. It's kind of a little bit on autopilot. Well, um, the, it's funny you say that because the note I took right here was schedule out the intentional time. Um, I think so many times people, people, they may have every best intention. They've read every book. They, they know what to do, but it's a matter of execution. And the more, the more that you do, the busier that life gets. If you don't schedule it so many times, things slip through the cracks and little things like this, like you just said, I mean, a 15 minutes on a Friday, when you, when you quantify it across every employee, you're going, Oh my gosh, this is an expensive meeting to have, but it's worth it because we're, we're unified. We're, we're all coming under the same messaging. You're making sure that what needs to be heard gets heard. You're you're recognizing anniversaries. You're but it's all scheduled, and um, I think I think people could do a better job at scheduling out time, like we do for business meetings, like we do for uh, creating spreadsheets and doing all the hard skills to do the soft skills to do the connecting and the the personal touch. Yeah. So. I um I love that you do that, and then you use recognition as a vehicle to teach positive culture. Instead of saying we're we're positive people, be positive. Um, you're you're infusing this this uh, culture and this organic um standard of recognition and giving people props and and who who doesn't love to see their name up on the screen in front of everybody who doesn't love to hear their name said and a $50 Amazon card. Cause some people get a little bit shy about their name on it. Yeah. So take the Amazon card. And, and if you can't find something on Amazon, you <laughs> like, then I, you know, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. You can buy groceries on Amazon these days. So you literally but, but can you're exactly right. And I, I love the, um, um, 
the the good to great book and it talks oh. about the flywheel yep. and one of the one of the, i think i think this analogy comes from the book good to great it may have come from somewhere else um but there's like this question of like you know go go ask a marathon runner hey which step did you take that really made the difference in you winning the race right and they're gonna look at you like you're an idiot they're like I don't know. I took 50,000 steps, yeah. right? You know, and so a lot of times people get too focused on what's the one thing I need to do. There is no one thing. Like there's a, just take a every day. If you can take 10 culture steps, like, you know, one minute here, like one minute there, 10 minutes, yep. you know, once you look at 250, you know, days, you know, working days in a year, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, that starts to really add up, you know, now that becomes, you know, 2,500, you know, minutes that yeah. um, you know, you start, you know, uh have have invested into the culture and then that really starts to make a difference. Yeah. No, I love that. And um what's what's cool about that is a very close sibling to recognition is gratitude because you're expressing the gratitude. And so it's very hard to recognize without exactly gratitude. yeah. And, and so it 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 helps to foster a more grateful uh, environment and more grateful culture versus an entitled uh, c- uh, comparison type and, and of culture. And let me say one thing about that that I think yeah. is really important. And I, and I ran into this um, a couple of times where, um, and, and there's, and I'll, I'll take this from a positive and, and a negative angle. Yeah. So sometimes you'll have somebody, I mean, we've even had somebody that like literally we were considering terminating. Mm. And then like it comes up for like an anniversary and you're like, okay. <laughs> What do you say, you yeah. know, about this person? Because their performance is not, not obviously there. stellar. If, sure. If, if, if you know, if they're if if they're in like a pip or something like that. Um. And so I, I forgot where I, I stole this from. Otherwise, I'd give you credit. But there's this there was this acronym TSP. Uh, think of it like a like a teaspoon, mm-hmm. um, just a, a small amount at a time. And so it stands for truthful, specific, and positive. So when you're giving a recognition, make sure it has those three things. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to SynergeticCulture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog, and then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast, and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a Synergetic Culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company.